Obviously, we are different. Lucky me. First time for everything. Galactic Empire. We've got company. Hello. What's that? My name's Omega. I was wondering when you guys would come back. Hunter, Echo, Tech, Wrecker, and Crosshair. You're Clone Force 99. And this is Batch for Breakfast, a Rebel Base Card special micro-podcast series. Welcome to Batch for Breakfast, a special insert series from the Rebel Base Card. This is the show you listen to on the way to downloading better Bad Batch podcasts. Along with myself is my co-host and fellow Quad Squadron winger, Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon, who you may have heard on another podcast this week called The Wampa's Lair. Greg, how you doing and how was that podcast for you? Good morning. Happy to be having breakfast with you. Uh, the podcast was great. Uh, it was a celebration of Shadows of the Empire. Um, like yourself and Tatooine mm. Times, Wampa's Lair noticed that it was a pretty major anniversary. And so it was a great opportunity to get on and just uh, kind of have a, a gushing nostalgia session of uh, where we were when that came out and which pieces of it meant so much to us. So um, it's been really fun between that and your your Hildebrand interview to kind of live in shadows for a little while. And remember that weird place fandom was at in 1996. That was by far the biggest thing that had happened in 13 years, which seems impossible now. I know, I know. And it was shout out to the uh, force uh, force material uh, who also did a, um, a Shadows of the Empire episode. And it's nice because there are so many aspects of that. And, you know, I'm happy and very proud we got in the card side of it. Um, but, mm. you know, just seeing all those different things from the toys and whatnot, um, I'm hoping other podcasts do pick up pick up on it and uh, get some more material out. And I know that um, I'd love to see some other podcasts get Steve Perry on as well. Uh, I know Tatooine Times. Yeah. I know Fabio did a great interview with him. Uh, but to hear his voice and things like that, um, that's something that I think getting these stories out. Um, so today we are asking questions on episode five Rampage, which uh, first in my head sounded like that 80s arcade game. Uh, I don't know if you ever <laughs> had a chance to play that. Um, yeah, and the the terrible rock movie version of it that was oh, last year, two years ago, probably by now. Yeah, <laughs> I love me some rock, and I can I can I can watch some Dwayne Johnson all day long. But yeah, that one that one's a little tough. Um, but first, yeah. I did want to go over uh, the Greg's list and talk about what you were listening to this week on Cornered before we get into some questions on this week's show. Nice. Uh, so uh, top on my list this week was uh, Coffee with Kenobi. I uh, did a great show uh, recapping. Um, I always love hearing Dan and uh, Todd talk through uh, those episodes. Uh, I got in Fanta Tracks, uh, the Knights of Ren again. Knights of Ren is hosted by Ali and Maria, and they are major animation fans, which nice. I always have liked the animation, but I'm not as knowledgeable about it. So it's really great to hear a couple uh, big fans of animation on that. Uh, Blast Points, uh, Force Center, and then I tried out Outer Rim Beacon this week, um, which was a great uh, live show kind of version of uh, a recap. And they they uh, talked, uh, it, you know, the it said it was a Bad Batch show, and I think they talked about an hour about um, Batu and Galaxy's Edge first. And and I was a little bit like, oh man, th- I'm upset. I'm listening to this just because now I really want to go <laughs> to Galaxy's Edge and. and that too, which is is on my list. So uh, those were mine. Uh, how about you? What did you get in this week? Nice, and I think you bring up a good point about people mixing in um, 
Bad Batch with some other content, uh, which I will talk about here in just a second. Um, but you brought this up last week, and we talked about um, uh, Fred the Jedi, and so I actually did watch his reaction video uh, that was on YouTube, and I do kind of like how he cuts it up, so it's not like you're watching the entire episode, uh, but he kind of drops in commentary while he's watching it live, and he had Lula with him, which was really cool. Um, <laughs> and then I actually I, I kind of backed into... Um, CWK as well. Um, I know that Dan and uh, Tom, Tom Gross and Tom, sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah. um, but also <laughs> after the after the uh, C- CWK Facebook Live, which he does, uh, Dan Zare does on Monday nights at eight central, um, where he'll do like he's been doing like the top five moments for. So he's got that community going, uh, which is cool because you can add in your your moments and you're also seeing what other people are saying as well. Uh, really, you know, Fennec Shand. Uh, really scored high on on that one. But afterwards, they did a recording with uh, one of our other uh, Card Squadron folks, uh, Ross Holliman. And I was kind of listening to the main CWK like you were uh, to kind of get some other perspectives on it and kind of get a little deeper dive. And so, uh, you know, Coffee with Kenobi really going in big on it. Um, interesting, as you were talking about different ways to, you know, people were interjecting Bad Batch. Uh, Radio Rebellion, which I listened to uh, on occasion... Uh, he did a kind of a recap of the first four episodes. And so I think he does a YouTube uh, live and then converts it into a, a podcast episode, you know, for audio. And so he's going back and forth with his audience and they're talking about it and then he put, put it all together. So some people are combining it, uh, combining episodes, talking about him. I think Full of Sith might have also done that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Big T and Little T. And I was on with them. They are they do their own podcast, uh, Todd and Trent uh, Hoffman, um, who you know him and his son do it. And they were kind of mixing it in with some other things. I think they were talking about a Jurassic Park movie, but they were also talking about uh, uh, the Bad Batch. And it was interesting to kind of get Trent's perspective, being you know being a younger child, to kind of see what he's picking up on it. Um, mm. You also you also see um, Big T on WSTR uh, Galactic Public Radio as well, and then. Um, kind of getting in a little bit this morning, I had a very nice long about four mile walk uh, before we got started today, and I was listening to Pink Milk. And they, uh, congratulations to to uh, Brian and Tom. They just they just passed a hundred episodes. Um, a lot of people yeah. are, that I kind of follow are hitting that uh, the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. I know that. Meanwhile, the podcast also hit that, um, and I think ATG already already hit that. Um, but yeah, they were talking about it and. Uh, it was kind of, like I said, kind of interesting to see what everybody's thinking this week. Um, one thing we did put out last week, and I was happy to receive some questions. Um, we had some folks asking, we, we'd ask, we put it out there, like, if you have questions uh, on the episode, either, you know, DM us or message us or, you know, put it out there. And uh, one of my, my buddy, Paul, who I, I have bagels with uh, Saturday mornings, um, put this out. It's, it's an obvious one. But I think it's something where it's almost obvious to the point where people aren't mentioning this. Uh, but week after week, as we're seeing that um, the the ship, and I forget what the ship does. The ship have a name, or is it just was it just a type? The Havoc Marauder. The Havoc Marauder. Name. I know that from the toy. I'm not positive it's made it into the show in its full name yet. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> a good point. Either way, they tend to leave the Havoc Marauder unlocked and open every time. And his question was it was valid and like. Are, are these doors just closing themselves after two minutes? Are we not seeing it? Is there a way you remotely get back in? But doesn't it surprise you? You know, um, I, I think I left my car unlocked one time and it got stolen. 
but yeah, <laughs> ships that can travel through hyperspace. No one really seems to care that it's unlocked and open. That is such a good observation and so funny. I, I think, you know, my first reaction is just it's canonical. Um, mm -hmm. How many times did baby Yoda start wandering out of um, Mando's ship um, on, you know, an episode? Go meet uh, the the pit droids and uh, the hangar uh, woman whose name I'm blanking on. Pelly, Pelly Moto. Uh, um, and then also the big one for me is Rise of Skywalker, where... Ochi's ship seems to have been left just open in the desert on Pasana for <laughs> 20, 25 years. And it's undisturbed. Nobody even went in and stole Dio. He's just chilling there, uh, waiting to be powered up the whole time. So, um, yeah, so it is canonical. It does seem very strange. Um, you know, I, I'm somebody, my family now, we have two cars one of which we inherited a long time ago as with a Prius. And, you know, hmm. with the, the Prius, you can just open the door if the key's in your pocket or and you don't have to put the key in as long as it's in your pocket. So our newer car does not have those features. So I'm kind of always feeling like this where I'm walking <laughs> up to the car and trying to open the door and it's, you know, I have to get it out and hit the button. And, you know, it's you have to put the key in the ignition, such an old thing. But uh, so so it's, it's interesting that on Earth we have this great technology. You'd think, you know, that the Bad Batch would have something in their armor where they walk up and the ramp would only descend for them. Um, but at least uh, Star Wars is being consistent. It would be a great question to throw at the story group and hear kind of why they've decided that there's never any locked cars. Never here. any locked cars. Um, <laughs> But, oh, yes, yeah, as, as far as, you know, the other thing about Rise of Skywalker that you bring up is there there must be, in a galaxy far, far away, there is some hellacious uh, standby power on these batteries. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at, one of our friends also on Twitter, and this is Director Benick, who is uh, at Zen Kenobi on Twitter. Uh, he had a nice little three-part uh, question here, and he said he was thinking about credits and clone troopers' lack of financing literacy education. Said he started thinking about this while listening to uh, Bad Batch reactions. And he says, Republic credits will still have some value at this point. The Empire is exchanging credits on Pantora, so there's probably a good market for them, even if they are devalued. And he also said he loved that the clothes do not understand how to buy or sell goods. Hunter accepts defeat when Grand says he can't buy the explosive, explosive because he has no idea how the black market works. Hmm. Good observations. While we're we're on Director Benick, he also uh, gave me a really good correction about. I had said chain codes originated in Boba Fett's armor in the Mandalorian. This is, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and uh, he schooled me and properly made me eat crow about the fact that they're introducing the very first Mandalorian. Um, they have the chain code for Baby Yoda, though we don't know it's Baby Yoda, and they say we only have half the chain code. So we don't know who this individual is. So so that wow. was the origin of chain codes. And, and I, I rightfully uh, took my medicine on. Um, very interesting question. And, and it actually makes me think of the first episode of Mandalorian as well, when Mando is offered Imperial credits for a bounty and he instead takes Mon Calamari flan because he's not sure the Imperial credits are worth much at that particular moment. So there's a, a call for an economist in Star Wars right now, I think, to help us figure out these systems and how they do it. But I think that kind of works. It, it, you know, I, as a, in my hobbies, I read a lot about the revolution and immediately after the, or during the, the American Revolution, there were a lot of people not accepting American currency because they assumed the British would take back over. And so we're in that kind of moment in Star Wars here where there's some value to the Republic currency 
And maybe people think the empire is temporary or like, like Zen Kenobi pointed out, maybe perhaps they just will take that at a lower rate and then go exchange it and, and get their profit off those credits. But, uh, but yet again, clones don't ask follow-up questions and they just go with whatever they're told. <laughs> I think the most telling, the most telling thing in this one, when we come to it is the fact that, uh, oh, um, as Sid points out, uh, Omega is the brains of the group. Uh, I think we have to kind of put that out there. Can't, you know, she, she gets very distracted, but she is the, uh, the brains of the group. All right. And, uh, because this is the type of high tech podcast you listen to, um, our, our last, uh, question here is from, uh, none other than, uh, Mr. Daft Prawns, uh, Frank Mulder, who had a great question that he messaged me and I'm going to go ahead and play it now. Uh, and I thought this was a good uh, this was a good observation on his point. Good morning, Greg. Uh, just left home. Just finished up listening to you and Greg talking about cornered. So I thought I'd send you a quick video to share a thought, um, especially after last week's replacements episode of Bad Batch. And a couple of things you both said have made me think back to The Mandalorian, especially um, the episode where Boba mentions that going into the Imperial refinery may get him recognized. So I think he actually says, someone might recognize my face. Now with the replacements episode last week, there's clearly that transition happening from clones to, you know, uh, just volunteer infantry. Maybe wonder, are we gonna see in Bad Batch or maybe Greg Cass knows something canonical about this, but by the time of the Mandalorian, are there still clones around? Because Boba being worried about being identified or recognized would suggest that either there are or the current imperial first order kind of upcoming types are well versed enough to know about clones to the point of recognizing in passing so so just a thought i wanted to throw out there it's been wrapping around my head for about a week <laughs> so um, anyway i hope you're having a good saturday morning uh, speak soon i hope take care greg bye Okay, uh, great question on the longevity of, and I th I'm wondering, you know, will that be addressed in this series? Yeah, ex excellent question. And I, you know, my first thought on this is just that this is an area that I think that hasn't been completely covered in canon, and there may be contradictory material out there on it, right? Uh, because mm. there hasn't been a singular decision yet. Um, I also will, I'm going to add a question just because that's what we do instead of answering them. Um, but my question has always been, we understand from Attack of the Clones that the clones age more rapidly. Right. Um, and I am not positive whether it's been established that that's for their entire lifetime or it's like they age rapidly to 25, say, and then it slows back down to kind of a normal biological lifespan. We see Rex in Rebels, and he has aged, um, but is he, how much older is he is, I think, a fair question. If, if we're imagining that it took the 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones to grow these adult men, we'd consider it at least double speed aging at a minimum, maybe even faster. I think some Clone Wars episodes might have established it's much faster than that. So... Um, are, are our beloved Bad Batch on a clock? Like, are they going to age and, and decay? And also then you have the question of, is the Bad Batch the same as the, re the regs or would they have been, you know, manufactured a little differently? 
feels weird to say manufactured about humans, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, but that also brings up an interesting question about is that, you know, I, I always kind of assumed that the edge was linear, but you could also see it go on a bell curve mm. or, well, or curve where basically it ramps up and then it slows, maybe it, maybe it ramps up and then it slows down or does it ramp up and keep going? Whereas if the clones hit to a certain point, do they just start degrading faster or slower? I, but I, I, yeah. I, I think with Rex, especially if you consider his appearance, you know, depending upon where you find, where you stand on the Return of the Jedi appearance, um, which I thought that Dave had kind of first said yes, and then they kind of backed off a bit, but it does kind of make sense, you know, it, it does retcon very easily in there. But yeah, you know, Rex, if if he's in that, then does he, you know, did he age slower at the end? It's interesting, you know, how much thought the Kaminoans put in to age them, to get them up to speed, but what happens afterwards. And uh, I think as uh, Pink Milk was talking about this week, um, how does that affect Omega? Does Omega mm. age at the same rate, or is she more like Boba, which is maybe not so much? Yeah, very good question there as well. All right, so getting into Rampage, I'm going to yield the floor. And Greg, what is your first question on Rampage? Uh Really great episode. Lots of wonderful moments that I'm, I've seen a lot of people already getting really excited about. So I'm going to start. My first question um, is I want to know more about Sid. Um, mm. And so my first question is Sid alludes to the fact that uh, she's worked with the Jedi and we know that they are going there because the Bad Batch knows that she was an informant for the Jedi. I want to know what that relationship is is like, um, because I think that helps us start to know whether we can trust Sid or not, which I'll have as a sub question there. Um, couple clues. Um, her office has clone helmets on the wall. There's a phase two, uh, trooper helmet, uh, seemingly in the back corner. And the shelf also has uh, a clone pilot helmet. So there was some relationship there. She obviously recognized these folks immediately as as clone troopers. Um, but to the best of my knowledge, we do not understand that relationship and where it is. So what what would you hypothesize or what would you want to see uh, about that re relationship between Sid and the Jedi? It is interesting, and it goes to show, especially if you go back to what the... Oh, what's the novel that has Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss in it? What was the name of the novel? Uh, Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple. So in some cases, Jedi do need to get some dirty work done, although they don't like it or they don't like to publicize that fact. So getting information, they at least know where to go to get it. Um, that kind of tied into my question of, you know, when when Echo was, go, you know, was talking up about Sid it seemed like he had information and not. I'm like, how would you have not known what Sid looked like if you knew how to get, you know, that I thought that was a little, I don't know if you're going to, you know, I don't want to get into the weeds on writing, but I thought that was one of the questions like, how did you not know? But at any rate, um, did you also catch, and I would have, I would have screenshotted this, but uh, Disney plus on iOS devices doesn't let you screenshot. Um, did you see the Mandalorian helmet in the far next to the door that looked white, and I thought for a second our friend Daniel over at Fanthatrax, uh, White Boba Fett on uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I thought, did you see the Mandalorian helmet? Oh, I, I missed that one entirely. Now you're inspiring me to go upstairs and rewatch it when we're done, but more that kind of prototype-style Mando helmet? Is 
it looked like it. I didn't see any kind of uh, attachment to it, but it's off on like, you know, because when they go in and then they flash back, you can see at first you see the, the clone helmet, and then you see the, the look like the pilot helmet. And then if you go back, that, that there was just that off in the distance, almost like towards the end of her very long office. And then you're kind of, I know now that um, the we, everybody, you know, who saw Solo and saw Dryden Voss's office and everybody's looking around, you know. So oh, yes. <laughs> not paying attention to dialogue at all. And I think that also goes into, you know, when we were watching this, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning, you're watching it on your mobile device. You're not really catching this detail until maybe that second viewing where, you know, you can see it on the bigger screen or the 4K and then you're just kind of looking around. And uh, I agree with everybody else. You got to watch it with, with the closed captions on because you're seeing a lot um, at, at any rate. But yeah, as far as Sid's origins and how she deals with the de Jedi, uh, it, it, that'd be a great one-off comic or, you know, mm, you could do a novel on your own. Well, and and I think as you're explaining that this is just a character with deep history. So um, to be able to give us only a few short scenes and and establish that she's been in this universe operating for a long time is a, a nice trick of theirs. Um, and I think should help us be excited for more of her. Um, her role going forward, she seems like she might be the Charlie to our Bad Batch Angels. So, um, <laughs> or I guess that, that's actually the wrong reference, right? Is it Boz? They have a different handler. Well, yeah. Gosh. Boz was the handler. Charlie was the one that was always on intercom, uh, the, the FaceTime right. of its day, or, or the speaker. Sorry, the speaker for the speakerphone. <laughs> um, as they're sitting around there listening, you know, what, what great television that is. Um, yeah. so I anyway, know okay. good, good call. But I think she'll be here for a while. That's my guess on her. That leads, yeah, that leads into a question. I, I will save on that. Uh, my first main question is going to be, um, we know that Moochie was a child. We also know that our friends, the Bad Batch, incapable of asking a follow-up question should have been, <laughs> What is Moochie? <laughs> An important uh, task. What, did were you surprised by the bait and switch of Moochie? Um, I was. Well, especially I, I had no uh, no suspicion that it would be a rancor. Now, when they got to the ridge and they say there's only one child down there, that must be Moochie. That was when my flag went up. I'm like, okay, it's not that easy, so that can't be Moochie. But I think I more assumed there was a different child somewhere or they were misinterpreting something. But I, I didn't suspect uh, Moochie the Rancor, the adolescent Rancor at all. And what a wonderful surprise it was. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and you know, I've seen a little criticism of the, the model. Some people are saying it looked a little like the Lego version of a Rancor, which... Oh, yeah. um, I can kind of I can understand, but I think to de-age it was the right call and, and that involved some interpretation as well as the stylizing of, you know, uh, Bad Batch style animation. So I think they were great. Uh, how did you feel about Moochie? I was very surprised later of how domesticated it in theory could be because mm. you see our, our friends, the Huts, uh, show up. And obviously Moochie is something that they are very, you know, they are very, they want a lot, you know, back or they, they're very, you know, um, attached to, um, and apparently Moochie can, you know, latch onto folks. And so as you see at the end with uh, Omega writing it and then after, you know, after 
Wrecker gets some more blunt force trauma, uh, you (laughs) know. Oh, man. (laughs) If there was, you know, you're starting to feel like, is there any kind of, you know, concussion protocol for uh, for Wrecker? Um, But, uh, yeah, I I was kind of surprised. I I didn't see it coming, but then again, you think, well, that was an obvious bait and switch. But, you know, as far as retconning uh, the fact that the Rancor in Return of the Jedi had a name, now you go back and go, you know, and you tie it back to the uh, the Rancor keepers, which were always the the funny gag and, and Jedi uh, about them crying at the end after after Luke kills the Rancor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now you're starting to go. Oh, now I, now I feel more. Now I feel worse for the for the Rancor. Um, well, so you're well. answering my question that was on my list about Moochie. Um, first off, I I loved it. Give me the Moochie T-shirt. I'm yep. I'm all in. Give me the Moochie stuffed Team animal. Team Moochie. Um, but it sounds like the answer you're giving me is you're assuming 100% this seems to be the Rancor in Jabba's palace. Because this has been a debate that's already sprung up on Twitter, I think, quite a bit. Um, that's where you're falling, do you that's, think? That's where I'm going to follow. And I think in some cases, um, as far as like, you know, the story group or, or canon, you know, I, I don't, I'm starting not to look too much deeper. Not that I'm not giving it enough credit, but I'm like, I'm taking it on face value that this is the Rancor. If you consider the amount, the age, you know, we're right after, you know, so you've got another 20 years, um, basically before, or 26 years, you know, so how big does that Rancor get? Were there more than one? Um, And then will we see, will we see, you know, if you see another Rancor in the Book of Boba Fett, well, then you go, okay, then then all bets are off. But then again, You know, that's a pretty big cage to put like a rabbit or something in there or a frog. <laughs> so they're going to have to fill it with something um, at any yeah. rate. Otherwise, you know, not everybody went on the sail barge. You know, somebody had to stay around. The cleaning crew had to at least stay around in Jabba's palace. <laughs> uh, someone has to keep the lights on as well as uh, Bib Fortuna. Well, uh, while, while we're on Moochie, let me just throw in a few canon bits just because that's what gets me that's excited. Your job. That's your job. So, uh, yeah, true. Um, so, so there was previously established that the Jabba's Rancor was named Patisa, which I believe is a Hatiz word. So, I would also put out there these people fighting it out and saying they're rewriting an important part of canon. One, no, they're not. It's not that important. But two, Patisa could be, you know, I've had dogs in the past. I'll call my dog Buddy, even though it's, you know, not not his name, right? His name is, mm-hmm. my dog was Rufus. But I would say, hey, Buddy, hey, Champ, like, talk to him like you would with a nickname. So I think that could be part of the explanation. Um, the old canon books, this would be Legends, um, Mo- uh, those, now I'm, I'm so latched on the Moochie, but the Rancor, uh, Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, had a story. And it was all about how he was uh, he loved the Rancor and wanted to escape with it because Jabba was going to pit the Rancor against a cryat dragon for like kind of oh. like a dog fighting, cockfighting event. And uh, he knew the, the the Rancor would lose. So he was planning that night to escape and he'd done all the legwork, thereby making the tragedy of the comedic moment of him crying more meaningful because he was oh he was actually going to escape with his rancor forever and and luke killed it um which is a a move they did a few times um but but that made me curious because i you you mentioned this in passing they do say that jabba would be reunited with moochie and that is to me like okay so how did he lose the baby rancor um and you know, it, I, I kind of imagine maybe Malakili helped the Rancor escape to try to get the Rancor freedom and then the Bad Batch get it back, perhaps. Or, uh, you know, uh, 
it could also be that there's a parent Rancor at Jabba's palace, and this is the baby of of, of the Rancor is Muji. Oh. So getting the baby back. Um, uh, now I'm thinking of Chili's, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think there are a lot of possibilities there. Do I think we'll spend a lot more time with Moochie? No, I think this is kind of it. But um, I had a lot of fun kind of playing those games with Canon. Yeah, and I think also it's, you know, it's it's one of those where I'm like, what is Canon? What isn't Canon? I would say whatever you just saw is Canon. <laughs> whatever yeah. you just heard is Canon <laughs> until it gets, you know, until it gets updated. Um, and in which case, yeah, does it bother me a lot? No, and I don't say I'm not devaluing uh, legends. Um, I, it's, it's just a question of, it's like, it's clear that they're going back. They take, they take, they take bits and they, they fit it to as they please to try to make an entertaining episode. Um, Absolutely. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Do you have, what's the, okay. What's your next question there, Greg? Uh, so I'm going to go back to the beginning of the episode. So I have this one and one more after this, uh, for my questions, just okay. to keep track. Uh, so this one is about Omega, or Omega, as she would say, um, which is um, this wonderful scene at the beginning where she figures out first that Sid is Sid, right? The other clones mm-hmm. are just just completely missed the boat. They She fools them. Um, and uh, I want to ask the question, is it the fact, could it be a fact that Omega is the most advanced of the Bad Batch? Is she the most capable, the the best abilities? She just hasn't maybe honed them yet or trained them yet. Um, hmm. I, I want to know, I, I think this is a bigger question to ask about Omega, but is is she the strongest of the Bad Batch? Is she actually the, the, the smartest here, perhaps? You have to figure that, you know, she, she is an advanced clone, that you know some of you know some of what she her you have to assume that some of her powers quote unquote um will manifest themselves and some of this is just latent because you know she was stuck on camino being a medical assistant and also the fact that you know her name is omega which in latin of course is the end so this is an advanced you know what was she made from who is she made from but yeah as far as her abilities are and we we already kind of talked about you know people are bringing up the fact that you know the Bad Batch are like a fish out of water, in which case they're being thrust in all these situations that they're not familiar with. And, you know, they're they're just trying to piece it together, just like, you know, you're putting her in, her in a market and, you know, or I think this was the one episode that I would say that Omega did follow the rules and mm-hmm. did sort of, you know, um, for the most part, and, you know, didn't, didn't play on the intercom too much and uh, stayed back with the ship until she was forced out of it and then went after but yeah it is it, it's see her evolution and see what she does have she she definitely has more than than what we're seeing right now and you have to figure that that will manifest itself but yeah she could probably end up being uh the best of them when it's all said and done um anyway good good question the let's see um here's one i'm going to have for the other creature that uh that really helped make rampage uh, give its name to to my my eighties mm. uh, arcade arcade love. Uh, does that other creature have a name, and have we seen it before? That's a good question. Ooh. Yeah, definitely a good question. I 
don't recall seeing it previously, but I'm going to always give the caveat that I my memory on Clone Wars episodes isn't as strong as it should be. Um, so when I saw a great design, uh, the way it had the wings, that kind of, uh, I don't even know how you'd say that. They kind of... Uh, furled in the breeze I, I, i'm mm-hmm. not sure but the the animation was great it reminded me a lot my son really likes the how to train your dragons uh ah. movies and there's there are many many dragon designs in that uh universe and and this was similar to some of them um so i was not familiar with this creature before um and i would imagine it seemed to me that it was native to ord mantel which is a great canon planet to to have yes. uh, in this episode um but then again, the Zygerians say that this was his pet, so maybe they brought it with them from Zygeria, I guess would be their their uh, knowledge. Uh, let me kind of reframe that a little bit. Do you re- do you have a good working knowledge of the episodes of Clone Wars with the Zygerian slavers at all? Do you remember those well? No, unfortunately. Yeah, so this is where people... This is where people need a better podcast than us. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I actually was checking in with Carl, the host of Wampus Lair this morning, and I was asking, I was like, did they have the light whips, the lightsaber whips in that episode of Clone Wars? Because I know that's one of his absolute favorite arcs. And it it is a really good one because it's Anakin confronting slavery again, and it, it's, mm. it builds his character a lot. Um, so definitely worth going and finding on Disney+. Plus. But I'm going to admit failure for myself that I, I can't recall that, that beast being there, so I'm going to say new to canon, but I'm ready for the correction tweets and emails. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. It, it, it kind of reminded me of the creature that uh, Kenobi rides in Revenge of the Sith on Utapau? Boga the Varactyl. Okay, yeah. So it reminded me a little bit of that, but that, that creature couldn't fly. It could only scale. Um, but yeah, I, re- I really liked it nonetheless. But I, I did like that we got a Godzilla movie in the middle yeah. of a Star Wars episode. And, and that was, I thought, I thought that was pretty, pretty neat. So, all right, yes. We are going to leave that one to our friends, our podcasting friends to, uh, to, to dive into. All right, Greg, what's your next one? What do you got? Uh, so this is mine. I always like to give one that looks to the future. And mm-hmm. so this is uh, my kind of looking to the future. And I think partially about Bad Batch and partially about something else, which is this really made me feel like we are being given pieces of uh, intel, let's call it, for Book of Boba Fett. Mm. So are we in Bad Batch seeing between last week and this week, are we starting to be given a lot more that's going to help us understand and appreciate um, Book of Boba Fett? What's your guess on that? Is this is this kind of a prequel series to that in some ways, or uh, is that overextending it? No, I think with the introduction of Fennec Shand uh, and uh, who was uh, once again just amazing uh, work they did there, you could see it's you know it's it behooves them to tie them in. We've seen how it works so well with the MCU, uh, and in some cases we you know we've we've seen some tie-ins on the Star Wars side. But one would imagine since we're delving into the underworld a little bit and we're seeing you know, some of the bounty hunter stuff that, you know, we should probably see it. And there's still, cre- there's still people and creatures out there. You know, at this point, we still have a Dryden Voss. We still have a Darth Maul. Um, and what that, that's, was it Black Sun? Are they Black Sun? Uh, uh, Black Sun is the Faelene uh, and Prince Shizor from Shadows of the Empire, which is worth mentioning because we had Faelene in this episode, right? The, the two... Oh, yes. 
hostages were were Shizor's species. Uh, but I think you're thinking of Crimson Dawn as Dryden Voss and Maul. Yeah. See, once again, better podcasts are going to take <laughs> this on. Um, I will, but yeah, I, I I think it would make sense if they do, and I do I do think that this this ties in a bit to my my last question on on all this is is this the introduction of is this what you know everyone kind of called the bad batch sort of the a team you know mm-hmm. that referencing back to that 80s show and i would say you know given the fact that we've seen sid and she's given them jobs is this kind of what we're going to be seeing going forward are we going to be seeing more of sid more jobs in order to get money, I'm assuming they're going to be buying food. I'm still on my soapbox from that last week. Did somebody buy some food? Or did they have to go to the Space McDonald's to get some food? Mm. Um, but, you know, and of course, now that they have, you know, they they sold off, you assume they sold off most of their gear. They're going to have to get some. Apparently, they didn't sell off um, Crosshair's communicator. Um, they, and, but at some point, they also need to buy, someone's going to figure out that they need to buy Omega a helmet. Someone needs to disguise this kid, um, yeah. because especially with with bounty hunters being on the trail. Um, but that is, you know, are they? What, what do you think? Are they? Are they going to? Are they going to keep doing jobs? Is this how you get more episodes of this? Kind of like this. Yeah, really good question. Um, and and I think you're right. We need a helmet for Omega. She did get her weapon finally, so yes. now she's got a cool, unique piece of gear. And I think the trailer had shown us she would have this in some of the posters or something that she would have this bow. Uh, super cool, great design. I love the collapsing on the arm thing. Um, so I'm excited to see her with that. Um, yeah. So I think there's a phrase in kind of normal television called repiloting, which is like when your show has been going on so long, it really needs a refresh mm. in some kind of dramatic way. And I'm I'm not going to go that extreme, but I did feel like this was almost a repiloting that that we now are, we've been adrift for a while since the opening film. And now maybe we are getting like, okay, this show is actually going to be the mercenary team doing missions for Sid, running from the empire, um, trying to achieve a goal, right? Because that would give you a kind of mission of the week uh, dynamic, as well as the overarching mysteries about Omega and who's hiring Fennec Shand and, and all of those kind of things that are, are going on out there. So um, felt like I would say, yes, that is what they were doing. And I would also add that, like, I think that's great. That sounds really good to me. I'm, I'm interested in that show. I, I want to watch that show. Yes. And also, if you consider, you know, if you think about what Grief Karga did for, you know, Din Djarin in The Mandalorian, mm. where they kind of tied back in, it would be nice. And I don't know if you caught this. Um, there wasn't a place I, in the other part of the podcast, you know who voiced Sid, right? I would not be a son of Boston if I did not recognize <laughs> the voice of Sid immediately, but I'll let you say it. <laughs> Rhea Perlman, if you can believe it. I was I, I was dumbstruck when I saw that, but it made complete sense. Yes. Wonderful. Carla the Waitress from Cheers is is the Boston reference for those that are not exactly our age. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a really good casting, and I think you're right that that's a little crumb. Would she come in for a one-off? Maybe, but I think she would be somebody you shell out for for like a long running um you know character and and keep her around great voice and and great design with that voice right to have a different kind of i assume trandoshan uh is what she appeared to be from that's the what of- i was wondering yeah um then i i was sitting alone at on my love seat with it on my phone at five in the morning and i was 
debating whether she was the first Cheers cast member to jump to Star Wars. Um, was not. No? Oh, um, well, who do you have? Well, no, if oh, you say I, jump to Star oh, Wars. Technically, you are right, because um, was it John Ratzenberger had done yes. that bit in Empire. Uh, which Pre-cheers. I, Pre-cheers. Right. Yes, um, but... Oh, that's good call. But but yeah, I mean that's too that's too great of a voice to leave for a one-off. I really hope that they're yeah. able to. And and in fact, doing it, you know, you have to wonder was this done uh, pre-COVID, after, after, uh, during. So um, I really hope we see her again. Um, and and uh, like I said, I think it just sets it up. Yeah, I'm going to give you the last question. If you have anything else in the tank for Rampage before we bring this to a close, uh, anything else you have there on your list? Um, well, Book of Boba was my last formal question, so I'm just going to throw out some uh, weren't these cool canon connections. <laughs> uh, so we hit on a lot of them. Obviously, seeing Bib Fortuna again was great. And yeah. since we're talking about voice actors, that was Matthew Wood, who's oh. now becoming the dominant Bib Fortuna. So that means he was Bib in Phantom Menace in the very small teaser in Mando for Book of Boba Fett where Bib Fortuna met his end, um, and now here. So it was great to hear his voice there for that. Um, the sign for the bar on the way into SIDS had Han's dice on that. So Ooh. clearly the dice exist as part of a game of chance, and I'm sure it wasn't a reference to Han Solo's dice, but it was nice to see those popping up somewhere again. Um, the IG heads in the bar, right, that go back to the original cantina, they're not, oh, yeah. they're a separate prop. They're not actually IG-88's head, and uh, there's some kind of decanter or or uh, um, tap for an ale of some kind. Um, and then uh, I'll just put a little shout out to the Trooper doll, which I don't think I realized Omega had made it away with the Trooper doll in the last episode. I remembered the dog creature <laughs> taking it. Um, uh, repainting the trooper doll was really cool. I also noted that Omega called her a she. So Omega has dreams of being Ooh. a trooper, right? She, She's she, a bad uh, she is. And I am positive that that will be in galaxy's edge and the celebration store as fast as they can. Uh, the bad batch doll version of that. Um, and I would definitely buy one. So <laughs> I think, I think that's kind of a given at the, at, at this point. Um, yeah, that was the as she was coloring the droid, and then you start uh, the uh, the trooper doll, and you're like, oh yeah, she, you know, so you know apparently it starts with the fruit, and now she's saying like, well, it's okay to steal fruit. So she's you know, I- is this her like going to the dark side of like, well, I guess I still have the doll, so it's not the not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Um, all right, uh, I know we went a little long today, but there was a lot of good stuff, and I do appreciate always willing to go long if we have some folks that are asking questions and want to help contribute to the show. Um, amazing. We have made it, what, this is our fourth episode? Right. Yeah. Um, so still going, still taking that train. You know, we, we are going to keep trying this until we can't, uh, but it's been, a, it's been a fun ride so far. But um, I know that this is Memorial Day weekend, so we have some actual work and errands, and the only other, the only other reason this podcast has to stop is because I've got uh, stuff in the laundry that I need to move along. So uh, real, real, <laughs> the real world does come into play here. And we do have some other recap podcasts that I can't wait to download that I know some people are going to do some great work on uh, before we get back for episode six of The Bad Batch. But in the meantime, Mr. Cass, where can people find you online? 
As always, you can find me at Ion Cannon on Twitter and Instagram. Um, this morning, I was just showing off. I uh, was playing with my son with the Galaxy Pop-Up Book, which is an Ooh. incredible book. And I encourage you to come check out those pictures on either of those sources. Uh, and then go buy yourself a copy of this book because it's it's really uh, quite incredible. The episode of Wampa's Lair dropped earlier this week. Yes. And I will tell you, uh, I uh, recorded and it is dropping early next week. I was on a podcast called School of Schlock, which uh, is a B-movie podcast that uh, kind of does the mystery science theater treatment <laughs> to old, terrible movies. And I was asked on to review Caravan of Courage. Ooh. So I would love for you to join us. But I do want to warn you, if you are somebody that loves that movie, this is not the podcast for you because they, uh, <laughs> they, they go a little rough on it. Um, and I, I join in the spirit of that show, which is to to enjoy the the terribleness of things and uh, the poor choices. So uh, but if you're looking for a, a laugh and to kind of revel in in Caravan of Courage, uh, watch for that dropping on Tuesday. I'll share it on my social media. Excellent. Excellent. All righty. And well, for Gregory Cass and myself, I want to say thank you for listening. But breakfast is over and we're going to return you now to your Star Wars podcast playlist already in progress. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.